Hello, my name is Lee Milne, and you are listening to the We Magic Podcast. Well, hello. It has been a while. So let's call this season two. I don't really know how seasons and podcasts work, but let's say this is season two, and each season will have an undefined number um, of episodes. <laughs> so I'm just about to make lunch, so please join me as we discuss where we get our ideas from. So it's been a few weeks, like I said. Um, I have been pretty busy. During the summer, I've had a lot more gigs than um, expected. A lot of last-minute gigs popping up. A lot of uh, um, youth groups and weddings and things like that. Anyway, I've also had my best fri- uh, my best friend's wedding to watch on DVD. But also, in real life, my best friend is getting married. So I took him for a weekend to Dublin. Me and him had a great time. And uh, yeah, I just laughed the whole weekend. You know, Dublin was really great fun, but I don't think it was the be-all and end-all city that everyone says it is. You know, the Guinness factory. Even if you don't like Guinness, that tour is worth doing. Walk around, see all the sights and sounds and smells. Um, and then on the third floor, I think it is, you get a live band. They play a bit of U2, they play a few Irish folk songs, they play some instrumental Irish melodies, medleys, um, and then the Irish dancers come out. Absolutely great fun. And then upstairs, a few more pints of Guinness. Um, lots to do, lots to see. Highly, highly recommended. Now, um, so it's been things like that that have been taking up my time and why, you know, there's a reason I found it so hard to record a podcast. Full disclosure though, I recorded a podcast last night and it will never see the light of day. Because I know, if you listen to this podcast, that you know that uh, I have a habit of going off on tangents, rambling a little bit, um, getting off topic, telling you half my life story. Well, this thing, I knew as I was recording it, it's going downhill because I was recording it and it's <clears throat> it really is a rambling mess. I start talking about one thing and then end up telling you all about my uh, my entire time in the Royal Navy. Um, I tell you about my time at college, working at Butlins, blah blah blah, led to magic. Okay, you don't need to hear all that. You don't want to hear all that. Well, maybe you do, but you're not going to hear about it today, but it really went on for too long, just like this explanation. So, what I want to speak about today is where we get our ideas from, and, you know, this is something comedians are asked all the time, songwriters are asked all the time, creative people are asked all the time, and unless you're doing stock magic straight out of the box not even putting your own touches to it 
um, then you do have to get a bit creative in magic. You do have to come up with ideas and think things, think what will be enjoyable, what will be surprising, what will make this magic stronger, what will make this trick funnier if you're that type of magician, what will make this creepier if you're that type of magician. How could I put my own spin on this? What will make it me? If you ever watch what I refer to as real comedians, and it's, it is subjective, everyone likes different things. My opinion on comedy is not, might not be your opinion. It's not the correct opinion, it's just my opinion. If you think Mrs. Brown's Boys is the funniest thing in the world, or Miranda is the pinnacle of TV comedy, that's, you know, good. Good for you. Good for you. That's... <laughs> no, we all like different things. I cannot stand those types of comedy. My mum, even my mum used to love Mrs. Brown's Boys. She would sit and cry with laughter. But even for her, eventually, the joke wore thin. The one joke wore thin. So, when I talk about real comedians, it is just my opinion that Larry David, Ricky Gervais, um, uh, oh, Norm MacDonald, if you've never heard of Norm MacDonald, Gilbert Gottfried, those last two guys... A lot of their material is wildly offensive by design. Um, but if you get past that, at the heart of what they do is hilariously funny. Um, and it's people like this, people like Norm MacDonald or uh, Louis C.K. They'll make a joke of it when people ask, where do you get your ideas from? This roll their eyes and they're kind of like, what an asshole to be asking me that. Standard, trite, boring question that I'm always asked every day, you know. And I make a joke of it, but it is, I can imagine, you know, if you're asked that, in every single press junket, every single interview, every single podcast or magazine or TV interview, it's, you must be like, come on, come up with something, that's what people have been asking, creative people since the dawn of time, it's, it's out there, you know, there's nothing, there's not a lot new you can add to that question, unless there is, if your answer is, completely different from anything anyone's ever heard before, then fair enough. Actually, that's kind of why I thought about talking about this subject on this podcast today. Um, because I was thinking about my influences, not necessarily where I get my ideas from. I get my ideas from things I see in everyday life, like most comedic performers um, in, fa <laughs> in fact yesterday this was so good it's going to sound made up 
there's no two ways about it. It will sound made up, but I promise it happened, and I was so glad I witnessed it. <laughs> Wait till I tell you. So yesterday I got up early, I had a gig in um, Bonnie Bridge, which is just over an hour's drive from where I live. So I got up, ready, breakfast, head out, and driving along, making good time, and then I come to, as always, it seems to be this time of year, um, there are temporary roadworks, uh, temporary traffic lights for roadworks that are taking place. Alright, so I stop, and where I stop at the red light, it's right beside, well, to my right, it's like a big um, field, and then closer to me, it's a bus stop, a pavement, okay, nothing much there. On my left, however, it's a car wash, like a, a manual car wash, loads of um, guys running about in there with squeegees and sponges and buckets of water, working hard. Six pound car wash, very good. Okay, uh, and next to that, directly beside me, is a little. It's like the road goes in like a little um, or like a little inlet, I suppose. Uh, and there are two shops there, and one looks like I've never been to these shops. One of them is a little uh, like a convenience store, like Londis or something like that. Get a newspaper, your milk, blah blah blah. But the the store next to that is a little um, fast food place, and it's every time I drive past there, it's always busy. There are people coming in and out. Um, later on in the day, it's like a box of chips or um, you know a, a burger or something like that. This time in the morning, it's usually. Bacon rolls, rolls and sausage, coffee, you know. And this guy came out while I was sitting in the red lights. And he came out and he put his... <laughs> he went up to his car. He was holding a box in one hand, like a white styrofoam container, and a cup in the other hand. He put the styrofoam container on the roof of his car. He put the cup of coffee or tea or whatever it was on the roof of his car. He opened up his boot... While he was looking in his boot, this massive seagull came down, <laughs> grabbed the styrofoam container, ripped it open, like pulled it so it, f so it flew open, um, grabbed what looked like a bacon roll uh, <laughs> and hopped off along the top of the car onto the bonnet and down onto the ground um, <laughs> with a bacon roll in its mouth. The guy realised what was happening, threw down his boot, knocking his coffee off, and uh, chased the seagull, tried to kick it, obviously, luckily, uh, he missed it, it flew off, um, and it was away with, like, at least the bread part of his of his bacon roll. <laughs> so good to see. Um, and if you keep your eyes peeled, you'll see things like this happen. Uh, I mean, I feel like I've seen a lot of things happen in my life, because, not, I mean, yeah, keep your eyes peeled, to observe them, to make sure you're present in the moment. But that's not why 
I see all these things happen. I see all these things happen because of... Um, sometimes I'm just in the right place at the right time, like yesterday. Sometimes I'm in a scenario where I know this isn't going to end well, or this is going to be hilarious, or this is going to be bad for someone here, but good for someone here, and funny for me. Um, the pub is always a good place to get a laugh. <laughs> oh, sometimes, you know, things took a dark turn in the pub and alcohol is involved. Uh, but, keep your eyes peeled and you'll see funny things happen all over the place. But seeing things like that happen can lead to ideas, not just a funny story to tell, but also can lead to completely separate ideas. Um, I mean, you might watch, if you're a sort of more of a gothic entertainer, you might watch an old horror movie and think, oh, this is cheesy, this is rubbish. But then 20 minutes into it, you think, oh, do you know what, that's something... What's just happened there is something I could twist a little bit and make it as part of my act. That's brilliant. I'll watch the rest of this movie. Excellent. Find more ideas. I used to dismiss all these cheesy old horror movies. Son of Dracula. Bride of Frankenstein. But watching them, you find all sorts of great little nuggets, great little tidbits. Similarly with um, Prompted Ventriloquism, I've got this new puppet. You might have seen it. I considered selling it for a while, and then I thought, no, it's too, it's too nice. Um, and I will use it as a mouse. Well, a rat, but I'm calling it a mouse. Um, and I haven't got a name for it. I'm just going to call it the mouse for the moment. And I was watching, I think it was, I must be watching Catchphrase or something, and the way Stephen Mulhern was getting on, Blackpool regular Stephen Mulhern, <laughs> the way he was getting on, um, I thought, wouldn't it be funny if that mouse was like a game show host? So that's what I'm going to do with him. I'm going to make him a game show host, and it will be uh, cheesy and over the top. Obviously, as a puppet, Cheeky because they're all cheeky, you know. Um, and it's this particular act will be aimed at kids, uh, so it'll be comedy based. Um, but yeah, that's that's what's going to be happening with the mouse. And I've got the perfect game from to play. We've got um, it's from Practical Magic. I bought it recently, second hand. I bought it. It was called. I don't remember, but it's, it's a really, basically you get a dice and you get five, uh, six cards. Each card is numbered to correlate with the numbers on the dice. Whichever number whoever rolls the dice lands on, that prize is eliminated. So they land on card number one and you lift up and you show, oh, it's a dishwasher. You almost won a dishwasher, but never mind, that's eliminated. And you show them the dishwasher, and it's, you know, it's a a brush. A scrubbing brush you use to wash the dishes manually. 
<laughs> Number two, a new car. It's a toy car. Number three, an iPad. It's a little notepad with a fake eye stuck on the front. You know, I tried out yesterday for the first time at my second gig yesterday, and it was, um, even the younger kids got it. I thought, I'll try it here because these are kids I've seen three times now. Um, I want to give them something new, and I might as well try this out, thinking at least older kids will like it. But the younger kids are sitting giggling away. So I'm going to combine that with the game show host, Mouse. Um, and that's, yeah, and that's an example of an idea that just came from watching TV. But as well as inspiration, I also want to talk about influence and influences and people who have influenced me and see, you know, let me know who's influenced you. Um, obviously, when I first started as a magician, I thought, well, you know, it's Darren Brown, it's David Blaine, it's Penn and Teller, it's... Dynamo, it's all the magicians that are well known. Have to copy them. I have to do what they did because they are successful. They've made, um, you know, they've made it. They've made it great. Made it big. Uh, I guess this is the best way to do it because these people are the best in the world. Um, so I should copy them. That's not really true. I do think. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong with copying your heroes in any field when you first get started, because that's how you learn. And you know you're safe as long as you, you know, um, you put in the effort to learn it properly. If you take an effect and you want to use the same pattern as Darren Brown, because you're presenting you're presenting in a similar style. Uh, the first time you do it, I don't think there's anything wrong with just doing it almost word for word. As long as it fits, as long as it suits you. And then the next time, you can change one word. And then the time after that, you can change a couple of sentences. And then you can change a whole section. And then you can change your whole act. Um, but don't be scared of basically copying people the very first time you do something. Just so you can say, I've gone out and I've done it. I've tried it. It went well. I knew it would because it went well for that person and I've done exactly the same thing. It gives you a little bit of faith, a little bit of confidence in the effect and the more you change it, you'll get more faith and more confidence and yourself as a performer, as a person. But anyway, as I was saying, influences are very important. And I find influences in places where maybe really obvious, but also in places you might not think are obvious. What I mean is, a massive influence on me, even though my act, my performance style isn't exactly like this person, a massive influence on me is Lee Evans, I think. Lee Evans particularly, his work in the 
mid to late 90s was untouchable. I thought it was hilarious. It was energetic, it was unique, and it was funny, genuinely funny to me. I thought this is the pinnacle of comedy. Jim Carrey, although I cannot stand the mask. I'm sorry, I've put it out there. I think the mask is one of the most overrated, overblown pieces of garbage I've ever seen. I cannot stand it, the whole, oh, look at me, I'm so zany. But yeah, when Jim Carrey is Ace Ventura, or Lloyd Christmas and Dumb and Dumber, I think it's hilarious. And, um, yeah, that's who he is. But again, Jim Carrey, Lee Evans, people like this, I'm not, um, I don't, sorry, I don't perform exactly like them. I don't even really copy anything they do. I don't, uh, if you watch Mac, you might not think, oh yeah, I can see Lee Evans or Jim Carrey influence. I don't think you would. You might. If you're a super fan of those people. But I don't think it's obvious. The influence I take from them and something I kind of pride myself on is being able to react um, well and, you know, be quick-witted. And it's taken me my whole life to accept the fact that yeah, I'm pretty funny. I can be pretty entertaining. I've always shied away from any type of self-praise or confidence boost to myself from myself. But life's too short and I work too hard. So uh, yeah, I can say I'm funny. And you should say, you're good at what you do, if you truly believe it. So it's not always obvious influence, um, it's not always obvious who has influenced an artist. A surprising influence, I've just realised influenced me, just realised earlier today, is Elvis Presley. So I'm now making my dinner. Uh, I got a little bit distracted <laughs> while I was recording earlier. That was about oh, 2 p.m., 1.30, something like that. It's now almost 7 p.m. Uh, so yeah, I kind of get a little bit sidetracked. Um, doing nothing as well. I don't know what I've actually done today, but uh, well, I'm sure at the end of the day when I look back and reflect upon my day I'll think, oh yeah I did that, but right now I cannot think for the life of me. So anyway, Elvis Presley. I've always liked Elvis. I've always, um, you know, I think I've had, as a teenager, I had the 
preconceived, incorrect notion that he was this, towards the end he was this washed up, old, ridiculous singer. But he was not. He wasn't old for a start. He was, what age was he when he died? Hmm, I want to say 44, but I think it might be 46. But he wasn't old. Alexa, what age was Elvis when he died? Elvis Presley died at 42 years old. 42? My goodness, 42, that's younger than me. Whew. Anyway, so Elvis Presley, growing up as a kid, I wasn't really a big fan. I wasn't exposed to him, but then, one Christmas, ITV broadcast a programme, well it was on every week, if you're from the UK and you're of a certain age, you'll probably remember the programme Stars in Their Eyes, or Stars in Your Eyes, I don't know, but it was a massive programme, Saturday night, prime time TV, the whole country watched, and basically people would come on and perform as their favourite musical artist. And, I mean, there's an infamous clip that goes around Facebook and TikTok. And it's from Greece's version of Stars in Their Eyes. And it's this little blonde lady comes on and, you know, it's the usual format. You meet the, the person who's going to sing, the contestant, if you will. They're going to, um, I'm just frying chicken, by the way. They are going to... Uh, go into hair and makeup, come out through a cloud of smoke and they're transformed into the person they're going to be performing as. So this clip, <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, it's this little white blonde haired lady and she says, tonight I'm going to be Stevie Wonder. <laughs> and then we cut to her coming through the smoke in black face, looking dressed as Stevie Wonder, she has stage hands guiding her to the piano, <laughs> and she does all the actions Stevie Wonder is known for, the head movements, the, you know, rocking back and forth, uh, it's unbelievable. Thankfully, the UK version was never that bad, but... Some of the acts were a little bit like, oh, you know, uh, I, I don't know, people, some people kind of thought, I'm on here as Dolly Parton, so that means I actually am Dolly Parton. Some people took it a bit far, but anyway, on the whole, it was a good show and it did change some people's lives. There's a Freddie Mercury impersonator, tribute act, who still tours, um, he won Stars in Their Eyes, and from then, he's never really worked a regular day job in his life, anyway, I'm getting off track, the point is, one Christmas, around, well, leading up to Christmas, they had a special episode and it was all about Elvis Presley. So there was no mystery when the kid contestants came on. Normally Matthew Kelly, who hosted the show, 
would say, tell us who you're going to be tonight. And they would say, tonight, Matthew, I'm going to be Sheena Easton. Okay. Um, but on this night, he would say something like, well, there's no mystery tonight, so we know, Stephen, tonight you're going to be Elvis Presley. And he'd come out, and it would be basically, I don't know, six or seven different tribute acts. Uh, well, not official tribute acts. Then, some of them have gone on to become tribute acts as their job. But, uh, yeah, they would all be impersonating Elvis Presley. And this was my first real exposure to the king. And I was blown away. I'd heard, you know, a lot of the songs before, obviously. I had heard Jailhouse Rock and Hound Dog. I'd heard, um, I must have heard Suspicious Minds by then, but didn't really pay any attention as a kid. But this programme, it kind of went through the ages. It went, I don't know, Jailhouse Rock. Um, and one of the last songs on it was In the Ghetto. And I had never heard this song in my life. And I thought, this is the most beautiful sound I've ever heard <laughs> in my young life. And it must have been around about the time, um, an anniversary of Elvis. Either of his passing or his birth, I don't know. Um, because a few nights later, BBC Two showed the 1968 Elvis comeback special. And I thought, all right, well, I don't know what that is, but I'll record it and see if there are any more songs like that one about the ghetto. And uh, I was not disappointed. Elvis 68 comeback special. If you've never seen it, highly recommended. Even if you don't like Elvis, you don't think you like Elvis, or if you know you don't like Elvis, you're still denying yourself a fantastic show. Amazing performances. Amazing set pieces. Just such a good show. The 1968 Elvis comeback special. If you've seen the recent movie. Entitled, funnily enough, Elvis. Then you'll know that this is a, a massive turning point in his career. People were saying, well, he's, he's had his day. You know, he was... He brought his rock and roll, he popularised songs that most middle American white families had never heard before. He changed a lot of things for a lot of people. He had his imitators, he had his admirers, he had his deniers, but it's over. And then he performed this 68 comeback special. And he's there in his black leather suit. And he starts hitting out a few of the old hits. Getting the crowd going, getting the crowd happy. And as the night goes on, he sings hit after hit. And he has little talks with the audience. He's little talks with his band. Um, and watching it, he's a consummate showman. He's just so good at what he did. 
And one of the last songs, it might be the last song, one of the, um, certainly one of the last songs was... If I Can Dream. There must be lights burning brighter somewhere. You know the one. Absolutely blew my mind. Just what a song and what a singer. And I thought, this is incredible. And after that, over the years, I kind of went up and down with Elvis. I would buy the Greatest Hits album that came out a few years later, listen to it a lot. And then I'd kind of forget about Elvis for a few years. And then I'd hear something and think, oh yeah, yeah. Love it, and then think, oh, kind of forget about Elvis again, get distracted by something else. And I think it was watching the movie uh, a few months ago. It took me, I didn't get to see it in the cinema for various reasons. Um, so when the movie came out on streaming, I managed to, well, I signed up, uh, because um, my broadband is with Sky, they gave me a free, they gave me a free movie a few months ago, so I chose Elvis. So I watched it, and I loved it, and I was reminded of how incredible he was. And I watched it again, the night before last, and since the first Rewatching, I've been listening to well since the first watch. Sorry, I've been listening to a lot of Elvis. And when I say he's a consummate showman, consummate professional, absolutely fantastic. Now don't get me wrong, for me it's always going to be Bruce Springsteen is number one, but Elvis is up there, high up there, high up there. Oh, no, 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 I don't mean that. I mean, he's he's high up there. But it's not his professionalism. It's not his unstoppable force on stage. It's not even his actual performance that influences what I do. It's something else. If you watch a concert or listen to a concert, you know, his live shows on Spotify or Amazon or YouTube, what you'll notice after a while is that, and you know, it's for his own amusement, his own enjoyment, but also to keep to, you know, for the crowd's enjoyment. In between songs or during songs, he'll just ad lib. And I don't mean he'll ad lib like um, just suddenly stop and tell a story or speak about what the music means to him or anything like that. He will do all that. But he'll also say things like uh, one of the best cover versions of any song ever, in my opinion. Remember, everything's just my opinion. One of the best is Elvis Presley's version of Bridge Over Troubled Water. Beautiful song, originally. Absolutely beautiful. But, um... Elvis's version, just... sublime. 
And there's one version of it. Pretty singing, I was listening to it on Spotify. And there's one version of it. And he makes a little slip up. He says you instead of me at some point. Uh, and then carries it on a little bit as as a little joke for a few minutes before he says, right, right, let's let's get serious. Doesn't break from the song, doesn't make the song any worse, or oh this is a bad version of the song, or this is a parody of the song, nothing like that. Just keeps going. But um acknowledges his little mistake. Or there's a sort of, I'm trying to think what song it is. I'd get down on my knees for you. But it's really annoying because it's obviously it's one of his famous songs and it, my mind's gone blank because I'm just thinking of the line and not thinking of the song. But there's a song where he goes and I'll get down on my knees for you. Comment let me know what song it is. Uh, he goes, get down on my knees for you if the suit weren't too tight. Little things like that. Out of context, they don't sound that funny. But, <laughs> but during the concert, when he's doing things like that, I was like chuckling away. I thought, this is great. And I realised, because I ad-lib a lot in my shows, I don't really write a script um, for anything. I write a skeleton of a script. And I know where I'm starting, I know where I'm going, usually. I know what effects I'm doing. And if there are any gags I've, I've, you know, I've said in the past that got a great reaction, I'll try to remember to say them again. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. The really strong ones, you know, they're there. They're stuck there forever, which is great. But... How long does chicken take to cook, man? But, um, yeah, uh, but during, like during a show, I'll say little things almost under my breath, but making sure that the audience can hear me. And usually it's things for the adults. Nothing rude, nothing, you know, um, no swearing or anything like that. Nothing that the kids are going to be offended by, or upset by, or anything even close to that. Just, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Yeah, it's hard when I'm cooking and holding a phone at the same time. Uh, but, you know, I'll say something. Something cheeky, but not too cheeky. Something, uh, nothing. Like if a kid's taking ages, or, or a little, actually, I was speaking to Jack Sharp about this, that tricks, and he said the same thing. Um, sometimes if a kid gets up and wanders off, like one of the little kids gets up and wanders off, during my show, I can't remember what Jack says, it's, oh, Jack says something like, um, and I hope he, don't, he doesn't mind me sharing this, because it's... It's pretty funny. Uh, when, like, a little three-year-old gets up during this show and wanders off, he says, oh, just going out for a cigarette. You know, and it's also done in a jokey way. Uh, and the parents think it's very funny, because it is very funny. Uh, I'll do something similar. I'll say, 
if any kids get up and walk out or a little kid starts crying, I'll say, oh, they've seen my show before. Um, or something like that. And it's not having a go at the kid. Never, ever, ever do that. Don't have a go at anyone in your audience. Um, you know. To a point. If you're performing at an army base and all the, the recruits are having a go at you, they expect you to have a go back. Don't be scared. Um, but yeah. So... Another rambling episode, isn't it? But, uh, <laughs> thanks for sticking with me this long. Uh, ow! Uh, I don't know That's hot. Um, yeah, so, basically. I think I picked up from Elvis. Saying these little things on the wrong breath. But loud enough for the audience to hear. Sounds crazy, but I think it's true. Anyway, there was another little break there because uh, my stepson came and asked me something. Started talking about music, okay? Unrelated to what I'm talking about here. Um, but I said to him, Elvis did come up and I said to him, how old do you think Elvis was when he died? And he said, I don't know, 50. And I said, well, he was 42. And he's like, huh. And I think... Well, I know. When I was growing up and I heard Elvis died, because I must have known he was in his early 40s my whole life, because it's just one of those things, you know. Um, and I think my reaction was the same. I thought, huh, that's a shame. But I'm older now than Elvis ever was, and I'm thinking, what? How did he die so young? But when you're a teenager... Even when you're in your 20s, you're thinking, 44, oh well, you had a good innings, eh, 42 in fact, you had a good innings, but no. <laughs> um, and yeah, like I was saying, he's never, he was never this washed up joke of a performer. People are like, oh, but look at the big gold suit, look at the capes, look at, yeah, that showmanship. But look at, he got fat in his last year, yep. I'm fat right now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and there are people a lot larger than Elvis ever was on stage performing, uh, anyway let's not get into that, let's not, let's not argue about Elvis, um, so I'm going to go because my dinner is ready. What am I having? Well, it's a bag of Uncle Ben's microwave golden rice, which is pretty, ow, pretty nice. Why is everything so hot? Um, and some home-cooked sweet and sour chicken. I say home-cooked. I mean, I cooked the chicken. Uh, the sauce was also from Mr. Uncle Ben. Yep. Oh, it's not, wait a minute. It's Ben's original now, it's not Uncle Ben. Huh. Anyway, so, going to have my sweet and sour chicken with rice. And I'll see you next time. Trying to get my dog in now. Listen, if you put up with this podcast, I salute you. <laughs> all my little 
distractions and uh, unedited nonsense. But thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. I will hopefully be back in touch with you all next week. Um, but I've got a, my best my friend's wedding coming up. I've got the fringe coming up. I haven't written a single thing for it. Oh my god! Um, so wish me luck. Give me a message. Follow me on Twitter, on Facebook. It's all under We Magic Podcast. You'll find it. Um, and I'll see you next time. Thank you again. Keep believing. Look after each other. Look after yourselves. Take care. Goodbye. So thanks once again for listening. My name is Lee Milne. You've been listening to the Wee Magic Podcast. Keep in touch and I'll see you next time.